sink. And so typically we go around with the number of people that are willing. Rachel, will you get uh, First Chronicles 28.10? And uh, Renee, will you get um, First Chronicles 28.20 for me? And uh, I want to talk to you. You'll see it obvious when we read the scriptures here. But the Lord told these individuals to build a sanctuary. And I want to, I want to redefine sanctuary today. Uh, with God's purpose in mind, not that you don't already know what the house of God is, but um, there's a lot of, I don't know, I'm not sure if they're called misconceptions, but they certainly are things that we rely on in our speech and here in America that are not necessarily, I believe, what the Bible is trying to portray. And so today I want to talk to you about how that God wants to work and move in his, in his sanctuary, and uh, these scriptures will help us. So First Chronicles 28.10, Rachel? Okay, and then verse 20 of that same chapter. David said to Solomon his son, Be strong and of good courage and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Now we know, of course, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 14, or, or 19, excuse me, um, what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, right? And so when we look at these Old Testament verses today, we're going to be talking about some symbolism and analogies here that are consistent carrying the, the importance of the house, the presence of God or his sanctuary from the Old Testament being a building or a structure into the New Testament, which is now your life and my life, that we're giving ourselves uh, to the Lord, and that we are being a vessel that God can work through and use. We want to be a church today that isn't putting all of our emphasis on these four walls, but our emphasis has got to be on that, that we understand how important we as an individual are in this, in this church and what God wants to do in our lives. All right? So God has a plan for you. Uh, I want to stop here and pray, and let's just ask the Lord to bless. Lord Jesus, we are truly thankful for the presence of God, for the Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray that you bless each and every one here today. Truly that you would do great things. Bless, Lord, the church individually and then collectively, Lord, that we would do your will, that Chelsea would be a city that knows that there's a church that has faith in God, that we stand out, not because we're better, not because we sin less, but because, Lord, we know what you have called us to be and to do. I pray that today you'd bless, for we ask it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So God has a plan for you and your life. Uh, so many times we look at the Word of God sitting on our coffee table or in our, uh, you know, beside our bed or wherever it is that we keep our, our, um, uh, our Bibles around. And if we praise the Lord, good morning, y'all. Come in, come in. Judy, good to see you. Lexi, great to see you. Listen, get up whenever you want and get coffee, drinks. There's a, a dessert I will highly recommend over there. Sister Betty does good work. But God has this plan for you in your life. But if, if all we do is think of the Bible today as this old relic 
All of this is history. What they say happened way back when. If all we do is say, oh, if I could just be like Daniel, if I could just be like David, if I could just be like Paul, um, and, and then we try to build our Christian lives on, if I could just mimic or imitate these men, oh, they have to, what God could do in my life. But that's not what God wants us to view today. He said that he was the living word. And so this morning I want to bring about how God wants to infiltrate your life and he wants to be involved in your life, not in just the big things like church days and those times when we finally get to talk to someone at the, on the job or we try to raise our children up in the ways of the Lord, but all the other stuff in between. God wants to be right there. He wants to be our guide. He wants to be our strength. He wants to be the one that continues to keep the house of God, not only do great things in it. The Bible said in 1 Chronicles 28 and 20 that, that David told Solomon, he said, build this house. He said, and finish all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. We need to see today that, that the structure isn't what got God's attention. It was what was going to happen within the structure in the Old Testament. The service God wanted to happen. That's how he was going to infiltrate and move in people's lives in that hour, in that day. He was going to use priesthood. He was going to use kings and prophets. He was going to use the people and their faithfulness and their obedience. And God had a way, not only of, of a way to obey, but he also had a way to bless through that service that he in, uh, initiated with the house of God. So don't read your Bible just in the past tense today. He's the God of the living, not of the dead. Right. Amen. He dwells, one, one writer said that, he dwells in the eternal presence. Interesting thought. That today, if you're living for God, and even if we leave this world through death, we, we have, uh, Paul lets us know that nothing ever changed. We are passing from death to life. Right. Amen. So not only does God have a plan for your life, but he wants to reveal that plan through your day in and day out living. Not just the things that you think are spiritually motivated. If we're going to serve and do the will of God, we're going to have to be like our Heavenly Father. We're going to have to have the mind of God to be able to do what He wants us to do. Um, if He is our Father, that means, I don't know about Joel, but I, I have been planting seeds in my boys for 30, one of them 36 years now. And, and what are those seeds? Well, not just don't touch the stove because it's hot. Right. right? We had to get past that. But, but we invested hours into them, not just only helping them through their problems right now, but also telling them and giving them vision of what God wants to do in their life. I, I as a pastor, I've been in ministry for a lot of years now, and I wanted my boys to know that they are not failures because they are not in ministry like I was. That's not failure. On the contrary, I want them to 
do what God wants them to do. Right. So, so what do I have to do? Well, I have to, I have to take away my duty and I have to teach them how to walk in the Spirit, to listen to what God wants to do today in their life. Does that make sense? Listen, he who has the most hats is not the winner in this life. I'm thankful that many of you have a lot of hats you wear here. And you take care of a lot of things to help the church to progress and prosper. And I, and I truly want to say I'm thankful for that. But that, that's not your, where God places value in our lives. Because the service wasn't in the physical things of the temple. It was what the outcome was of the spiritual dynamics of what God would do. You see, while we're um, offering up prayer and we're offering up sacrifices and we're going to church and, being, and showing ourselves faithful to God, God is doing things in the spirit realm today that we have no idea what's going on. Sister Betty was telling me today that we were agreeing early on. Um, it was just she and I in the room as she came in. And we said, yeah, sometimes things aren't happening as fast as I'd like them to, though I'm thrilled over what God is doing. Well, the point was, was that we're, we're only measuring things by the outcome of what we see with our eyes. Which has nothing to do with what God's doing in the lives of many people around us. Amen. What God starts, he finishes. Right. Philippians 1 and 6. Uh, Sandy, will you get that for me? Philippians 1 and 6. Elaine, catch Ephesians 2.10. Susie, I missed you. Let me get you on here. All right, Susie, you call it. You asked for it. Psalms 139, 1 through 14. I'll teach you for not speaking up. <laughs> Kidding. Uh, picking on, this is a pick on Susie Day. Okay, Philippians 1 and 6, talking about God's will in your life today. Right, so Paul said, I'm confident that what God has started in my life, he is faithful that he is going to finish. There's a new thought for you. We can all talk about when we got the Holy Ghost. But I'm asking someone today to start thinking about what God is doing to finish the work of the Spirit in your life. It's not just if I just hold out till I croak, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> if I can just be faithful until then, then everything, then I've done all I'm supposed to. But, but can I tell you, this concept of God working in your life is much bigger than that. Right. right. Amen. Amen. Okay? Um, even if you decide to quit, which we don't want you to, but people sometimes do quit. Our God will lovingly discipline. I'm not talking about take that, you dirty rat. God will say, I'll get you for that. I'm going to strike you with lightning. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. but, but will he allow 
us to come to places where we review our thinking. We question if we made the right decision. Is this a time like never before to call upon the Lord and, and pray for his help and his guidance? I think, that, I think the Lord allows things to happen in our lives. It's not that he's out to get you. It's that he realizes today that sometimes beyond our physical eyes, God wants to reveal spiritual things that we're going to have to trust him for. Ephesians 2 and 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now I understand in Genesis, the Bible said each of the six days it was good, it was good, it was good. And then the day that he created man, and he said that it was very good. But I don't see good works anywhere there in Genesis. Good works, of course, we know, according to the Ephesians, that we're not saved by good works, lest any man should boast. So what are these good works? These good works are the, are the outcome of people consecrated and living for God and all the fruitfulness that God will bear through their life. Those are the good works the Scripture is referring to here. that make sense? Yes. All right, so... Good works, this phrase does not merely refer to a specific act of Christian kindness or service, but it ultimately in the Hebrew refers to a whole life separated unto the Lord, God doing his will in your life. Amen. So God has been ahead of you. Can you imagine this? Before you even thought about it, Jeff, God has already been thinking through Every step, every act that was going to help bring you around to right thinking for God's will to be done in your life. Can you imagine that? And that brings us to Susie reading Psalms 139, 1 through 14. Oh Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought far off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Hallelujah. I'm not sure any of us could come up with a issue or a place in our life that isn't already covered within those verses. Would you agree with that? Amen. David was pretty concise and complete when he said, 
God knew about me before I was ever conceived, knew about me through the whole process. You've been bringing about good in my life. Even when I tried to run from God, even when I tried to hide from responsibility, God, you were there. You possessed my reins. You knew my path. You knew the way that I would take. These are all things today that would lead us to understand that this walk, this plan of God in our life is much, much bigger than just Wednesdays and Sundays when we go to church. Right. It's much, much bigger than, than just the age that we're in right now. Lexi is a young lady, is a different place than some of the other women in this room. And I'm not, uh, thankfully, we all are at different places in our age and lives. My point being that God knows exactly what each of us needs, right? If it's the age and the place that we're at. We're talking about the house of God. God made you to be so that he could perform and show a world. Remember, Israel misunderstood God, and they tried to keep all the oracles and the promises and the blessings of God within their own confine of, their, of the 12 tribes. They weren't willing to share it, were they? Right. But that wasn't God's intention. He wanted them to be a light that would sit on a hill, that would shine into all the, the, the world of pagans around them. The wilderness was nothing because Israel should have been that light that, that all those people would have looked at and said, wow, they have got a real God that's blessing them. What, what idols do we have that could ever perform and bring forth water out of a rock and, and it would follow them wherever they went? God did all this to be a, a, a huge example, not just a blessing to Israel, but to be a revelation to a world of a God who wanted to save them. And today, I, my, my same admonition would come today that we must not be just us four no more. We must not allow ourselves to be just enjoy what we have in these four walls. Thank, I love Snapchat. I love coming here on Sunday mornings and being with you. I love the input that you give. I, I love the food. I love the coffee. There we go. Uh, uh, <laughs> Just being honest, wasn't I? Make sure I had that so I wasn't condemned later when my wife reminded me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. God must have a purpose in view for your life. Right. That's right. Now, understanding that you may not know what it is today, and yet, I promise you, He is going to reveal Himself and His ways in your life. The scriptures are necessary. They are wonderful today. And they accomplish God's divine purpose by giving us understanding and, and showing us the ways of old. But we must not stop there. We cannot stop there. It would seem unreasonable today that we were made in the image of God and redeemed by this incredible sacrifice Jesus Christ gave of himself and then to be left without a divine purpose all that price paid all that cost 
God's infinite plan for all of mankind to be thwarted because you don't think God has a purpose for your life? How can that be? No, what we have to do today is we have to say, how do I find God's purpose in my life today? Obedience to the will of God. Unfortunately, this world is doing everything it can not to have to obey. But obedience literally becomes not the chains about our neck, but the wings upon our backs. For it's when we obey God that we begin to see new light, new revelation, new understanding. I wonder how often the Lord has spoken to mankind and said, I mean, I said it to people. <laughs> they came back and wanted to talk to me about some incredible crisis in their life. And I, and I have to say, did, what did you do with the last thing you and I talked about? Well, this is different. It's not different because if you didn't obey in that respect to find victory in that part of your life, how are you going to bypass that and, and now think God's going to heal you right here and now? So, so obedience becomes part of our way that we pursue God in our life. Amen. Does this make sense? In Scripture, God is not pictured as a mechanic to fix things. Actually, he's one illustration of him is the potter right. at the potter's house. The Bible says this. Um, um, who do we have here? Rachel, back to you. Um, Jeremiah 18 and 4. This is talking about the potter who had clay and he began to make a vessel and something went wrong. There was a flaw in the clay. There was a stone that when the potter's fingers hit that as it was turning on the wheel, it, it crushed that pot and tore it apart. And so what did the potter have to do? Does he throw the whole thing away? You vile piece of trash. No. This is what it says in Jeremiah 18 and 4. This is the, to me, one of the greatest answers to life's problems and all the question marks in your life. That even when I messed up my first vessel, I was obstinate. I didn't obey. I didn't do what I should have done. While the enemy sits on my shoulder and tells me, you're no good. There's no hope. You might as well give up. God's through with you. You messed up. Right? Because he's the accuser of the brethren. That word of God that's supposed to be a blessing can become deadly in the hands of the wrong people. So we've got to use it for good. So the, but the potter said, I'm not through the clay. I can pick out the stone. I can fix it so that, and I can crush it again and remold it and begin to shape it again on the potter's wheel and make it into a, another vessel that will pursue and fulfill the purpose of the Father. Amen.
Moses began his ministry by defending a fellow Jew and then fleeing for his life. Right? But then God made him anew. Abraham ran off to Egypt because of the plague, lied twice about his wife, and then God made him again and brought him back to rebuild the altar once again. Isaac lied about his wife, and Jacob schemed his way through life, but God made them again. Those men who were the patriarchs of the Old Testament found deliverance by God remaking them and reshaping their lives. Don't you think he wants to do that in your life? Don't you think it's not really all about all the wrongs you did? Where does God ever talk about Moses killing that Egyptian guard again? Where does God ever hold it over Moses? If you hadn't have messed up Moses, like we wouldn't be here right now. Right. If he hadn't have killed that Egyptian, it would have been a lot easier path. Never does God remind Moses. Never does God bring up Abraham's obstinance, fear of the plague, of, of the hunger, and, and taking his family and all of his inheritance down into Egypt, leaving the land of Canaan that God called him to. God, I'm taking a temporary change here. I'm veering off to take care of us, forgetting that God would take care of him. See, men and women throughout time have forgotten a God who wants to take care of them. But our greatest challenge of being a sanctuary today is that's where God moves. The Bible says he moves in his sanctuary. He heals in his sanctuary. He delivers in his sanctuary. Out from under the altar came the waters that gushed out of the temple through the doors. And the Bible said that there was healing in the waters and it quenched the needs of the people. And there were great fish in those waters in order to perpetuate and grow and increase Israel. So much happens from the house of God in Scripture when we backtrack and look at it. Look at the lives of the apostles for a moment. <coughs> they're, they're no different than you and I are. What about Peter's failures? The climax of it was him denying the Lord three times before that cock crew as Jesus was getting ready to go and pay the greatest price of all men there at Calvary. What about James and John, the sons of thunder, who called down fire to torture the entire village? Because they weren't doing it like they said. What about the times the apostles argued among themselves about who was the greatest? Can that be of God? No, it's not. Those things shouldn't have happened, but they do because... We're dealing with real people today. So failure of man 
will not stop God's purpose. God knows how to reshape us, redirect us, re-empower us. Right. Amen. You, you don't have to worry today about what went wrong yesterday, but oh. today you can get up and you can dust off your, yes. your knees and you can say, with God all things are possible. Right. Amen. Uh, Susie, get 2 Timothy 2.21. Sandra, catch uh, Hebrews 10.31. There is an end of reckless living. A place where we no longer have to tempt God any longer. There's a place of repentance. There's a place of obedience. And God wants there to be a church today that is known because that we keep the things that are precious to God. We keep them in the forefront of our lives. We do those things which are necessary, sometimes to our own hurt. Could anybody ever spend your tithe money elsewhere? It's an easy thing to do, wouldn't it be? Yeah. And yet, it's through those things that God has blessings. He, um, 2 Timothy 2 and 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel of his honor, <coughs> sanctified and meet for the master's use. Prepared unto every good work. There it is. Prepared unto every good works. Samson and King Saul, well, they just were removed so that the plan could go forward. But God, God is not out here threatening us today. He wants to encourage you and let you know that he is a good God and he wants to bless your life. <laughs> Hebrews 10 and 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Yeah. That's what happened in Jeremiah. In the 19th chapter, the Bible said that that potter, when that clay failed to ever produce, it was never, it had too many errors in it to where it was, it was all stones and not and not good clay, that finally the potter would cast it into the potter's field in order that he could take something and make it anew. We're not here to threaten people today. We're not here trying to weigh and say, I'm just waiting to see what God does to you. On the contrary, all it takes today is one change of heart. Right. One right. new commitment to God and everything Everything of the past could be wiped away. Hallelujah. Forgiveness is such an instantaneous thing if we just would do his will today. Amen. We can have confidence and courage today and see God enable you. Even when we see Joseph cast into prison, how could that be the will of God? When we see David fleeing for his life before Saul, having javelins thrown at him, how can that be the will of God? Jeremiah persecuted by the religious who wanted to destroy and kill him and cast him into a deep, dark dungeon. How can that be God's will and purpose for this hour? Daniel thrown into the lion's den. The three Hebrew children cast into the fiery 
furnace seven times hotter than normal. And yet God brought each and every one of them through and won great victories through their lives. Perhaps you've been there in your life. Maybe you've lived behind closed doors uh, where it seemed like nothing was happening, nothing was working in your life, just blasé, just numb. Many good people have found themselves in those places. I read about a young lawyer who descended uh, so low into the valley of despondency. Things were going so poorly for him that his friends thought it best to keep all knives and razors away from him. Lest somehow he would attempt suicide. In fact, during this time he wrote in his memoir, I am now the most miserable man living. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. I fear I shall not. That young lawyer who unleashed these desperate feelings of utter helplessness, well, his name was Abraham Lincoln. Somehow God has a way of turning things around today. When we commit ourselves to be the temple of God, number one, our purpose is that we can minister to the Lord. This was the tabernacle in the wilderness, Solomon's temple, all the different temples that, that were built by Israel were all not just a place that we can call my church, but it was a place where men and women came to serve the Lord, a place where they could obey God and show forth what they believed to be true according to the scriptures. It was there that they could receive a fresh word from God. It was there that God could help them through their very present time of trouble. It was there that God could give them deliverance and healing and blessing, even as they kept the house of God. Hezekiah, when he came into office, Israel had been despondent for so many years. They had closed off the temple. It was boarded up the windows. Weeds were growing in the outer courts. The altar had not had a sacrifice in it for years. It was dead. Israel's God was dead. But what did that young man do to bring about revival? He repaired the house of God. And we repaired the house of God. It gave people meaning. It gave people purpose. It gave people a way to obey. And then it opened unlocked hope. It unlocked vision for God to begin to give Israel direction once again. All these things because the house of God was healthy. And that's what God wants me, I believe he wants me to share with you today. Keep your walk with God at its most fervent place that you can. Right. There's going to be times that you can't be in church. We understand that. There are people that have jobs. We understand that. People going on vacation, I'm glad they could go. They needed a vacation. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we've done away with the value of the house of God. Right. It just means that temporarily we've 
we've allowed, the Lord has blessed us and allowed us to go out and be refreshed. Let God work in your life today as you work and make your house your vessel, your body a temple of God. Watch what God will do. God likes a working temple today. He likes people that are called by his name. People that have faith for the hour. People who realize that their vision and their understanding comes from the house of God. Amen. There's an old fable that tells a story that the devil once had a sale, a garage sale, and offered all the tools of his trade to anyone who would pay their price. And they were spread out on the tables and each one labeled hatred, malice, envy, despair, sickness, sensuality, all the weapons that anyone knows, that everyone knows so well. But off to one side lay an old, beat up, harmless looking piece of wood shaped instrument that was marked discouragement. It was old and worn looking, but it was priced far above all the rest of the devices that Satan had out that day. When asked the reason why, the devil replied, because I can use this one so much more easily than all the others. No one knows that it belongs to me. So with it, I can open doors that are tightly bolted against all these other wrong and evil ways. And once I get inside, I can use any tool that suits me. There's something about the house of God, the development of it, our desire being fresh every day, our commitment being renewed day by day of God's presence in our life. These are the things that keep the house of God important. And they also are the very tool the enemy uses, his discouragement to try to steal away the value of the things that are most important in your life. Don't let the enemy sidetrack you. Don't let him steal what rightfully is and prepare for you the blessings of God. Amen. Well, I've gone on and rattled on plenty long today. I need some help here. Any thoughts about this today? I'm not sure I told you anything new, but I hope I was reiterating the importance of your walk with God, what you're doing in your life. It's okay to have goals. It's okay to challenge yourself and, and do great things. Start a business do things well, marriage, raising children, even some of the fun things we do of sports and, and, and habits we, we have that are for our enjoyment. Nothing wrong with those things. Just keep the house of God, your walk, right. your temple before God, <coughs> precious right. before the Lord. Amen. Someone? <coughs> yes, Andrew. This makes me think about you were talking earlier about um, like everybody has past good, bad, ugly, whatever. But whenever we fall down, we we had a crack yeah. in our pot. Right. 
God makes a way that he, he redoes and he reforms us to help us to have a new Amen. walk with him. Yes, anyone else? Good it thought. It makes me wonder how many times he had to remake me because I was not pursuing what the potter wanted because the vessel is for the potter's use. Yes. And I get sidetracked going this way and going that way and so put me back on the wheel to help me. That's why you married me, honey. I <laughs> 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 Oh, good. Excellent. Yeah. So I wonder if God's purpose is not only short-term, I think he's just getting us through the things that, part of the problems that we create and part of the problems that come at us. He helps us. But how much greater is his purpose that sees a Judy as a whole of what He's going to make her and shape her and, and direct her steps. How rewarding is that? Yes. Amen. Someone else? I took pottery this, this year. Now here's a man who knows. Oh, well, no. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I started making a vessel, but it turned out not the right shape. So I was going to make it whatever it turned out. But as I was cleaning it up, there was a twisty tie stuck in the clay that actually went. When I cleaned the inside, it was showing there. When I cleaned the outside, it was showing there. So it was going through the whole wow. vessel. So I had to take that out. And actually what I did was take the clay, put it all back together again, <coughs> reshaped it, and made even a greater vessel than the first one. Excellent. Those twisty ties will get you every time. That's it. Yes. <laughs> Not to be a lesson to you. <laughs> so what else? So this makes sense. Does it make sense? Yes. How important your life is. Because you are a prepared vessel for the master's use. But what is that preparedness? Well, it's to be a place where service can be done unto the Lord. Amen. Awesome. Who else? Well, we will have, um, invite you to take time for a minute and have a cup of coffee. And uh, if there's some dessert over there, have some more. And we'll, uh, We'll gather in and have our worship service at 11.15. Great to see everyone here today. Remember, next Saturday is 
uh, on Sunday is Father's Day, and uh, the ladies are going to come a little early and help us to have a breakfast for all the guys. We thank you for that, and um, looking forward to that. There is a sign-up sheet for different food items that are needed that are in the um, foyer in the church building. Be remembering Dwayne uh, Jones. He, um, I didn't know it, but he was in the hospital a day or two while I was while we were gone in New Mexico, and um, they they're trying to test him right now. They don't know if it's his heart or his lungs, but something is really making him ultra weak, and uh, so um, we just need to lift him up in prayer. I don't know if anybody has any extra time, but I would like to try to. Uh, cut up this tree out here. I have a saw and I thought I would work on it. I've got a trailer um, in a few days I can have empty. I've got sand in it right now. But uh, Sister Betty still uses a fire uh, place in her house for wood in the winter. And so I thought if she, if we could, I would just cut that tree up and take it over to her house. But um, Several extra hands would be making it a lot easier. And so let me know if you have any time, just an hour or two. Uh, and we don't have to do the whole job all at once, just um, whatever you're available. And we could get that thing, we had two saws, we could really cut that up and uh, get that wood put into a trailer so that no one hauls it off on us. And we'll take all the, the um, brush I'll take to my house. I, I keep a fire there from time to time with all the wood on our property. And so that should take care of that, hopefully. Alrighty. Well, Stevens, thank you for filling in last week. Appreciate that so much. Enjoyed. Hope everybody else did. <laughs> oh, I know they did. Tim, great to have you today. What an honor to have you today. Chris? Yes, sir. Making my day seeing you today. God bless you. Appreciate you. All right, well, if you're waiting for me to dismiss, you're dismissed. Uh, okay. In case you didn't know that. A paid place where you? Oh, yeah. Are they, are they already now? Oh, yeah.